They've been trying to take it, I said no way Thought this ain't a game, now nah, I don't play You can tell my fan that I'm okay I just got a juice like I'm OJ Hello, and thank you for joining us today for Building Greatness, The Warrior Way. I'm joined, as always, by our Dean of Athletics, Sean Harris. Yay, yay. And me, Sherm Dog. I am the head baseball coach, Dave Shermet, here at Westcliff University. Today is June 13th. It is 2020, and we have a lot to talk about today, a lot of relevant topics to talk about today. We're also going to be introducing a new segment called Quotes and Notes. We're going to get to that. But... Our topic for today would be the role of athletes and athletics on social justice. Of course, there's a lot happening around the world today, not just in the United States, but also other countries. We've seen demonstrations. We have seen the T-shirts. We have seen the sayings, and we've seen a groundswell of movement. So today's topic is very on point. Uh, I want to figure out a couple of things. First of all, you know, there's so much to talk about. As an example, today, the Washington Redskins, after 85 years, decided to change the name. And they've been under pressure to do that for a long time. It's only today they've decided, okay, maybe it's time to do that. Uh, This goes well back before Colin Kaepernick. Uh, You know, it's been hundreds of years. Uh, You know, I remember uh, the 68 Olympics with the the sprinters with their hands in the air, right? Um, But there's so much. Muhammad Ali, you know, in his era was fighting for this, obviously. There's so many athletes and so many movements that are going on. Uh, and uh, it's I'm excited about today's topic. So with all that being said, um, what do you think, Sean, um, might be the role of Westcliff and our athletic department on social justice? You know, I think it's going to be tremendous. I mean, I mean, Sherm, I mean, you, you kind of prefaced everything correctly i mean look at the redskins now that's can't be said anymore right no more redskins you know um and rightfully so so it's just washington now you know washington whatever they decide and and some people you know you're gonna have the critics that's gonna say what took so long uh you know for me it's just it's change i I don't care how long it took It's, it's done now so let's move forward and let's uh rebuild repair heal right and um, move forward. But I think regarding Westcliff, it's going to be tremendous. I mean, athletes always showed a lot of leadership when it comes to social justice. And maybe that's not their responsibility either. So let's talk about that. Because we do have elected officials in this country, right, that that should be taking the, the, the stand. But it seems like it always starts, in my opinion, uh, with athletes stepping up and uh you know, making a difference and connecting to the people. And it sparks change. And I think, you know, our culture with Westcliff is synonymous with that too, is because like Westcliff should equal inclusion. You know, that's really it. I mean, that's is inclusion for all, right? And even those with disabilities who may not be able to play a sport, you know, you're included with us. So I think it's going to be huge, sir. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And it's the third of our three C's by making a tremendous impact in the community. Uh, it, it's built right into uh, our mantra, I guess you might say. And you know how you say it starts with athletics and athletes in particular. If you look at social media, who are the people that have the biggest following? Yeah, there's going to be a couple of political figures, but how many people follow LeBron James and and hang on his words? And not just 
athletes, but entertainers, obviously. They're singers, they're actors and actresses, but the athletes always seem to have a microphone somewhere. And some it might not be the same person over and over, but who's got a bigger platform than athletes right now? Right. I mean, you know, our, our platform is huge, uh, you know, for from an athletic community standpoint. You know, I really believe, like, it's just af- pretty much athletic athletics pretty much happens every single day at some capacity, you know, around the world, you know, even if it's a pickup game, you know, at your local, you know, high school or church or, or even pickup games in soccer, whatever the case may be, it's a, it's a common connection of people to compete and come together and have fun. And, and yes, you know, some people in this world will like, some athletes, especially in basketball, to shut up and dribble. But I think you can't. You know, I think it's all together, and they should speak up. They do have the platform, and I appreciate athletes stepping up. Yeah, well, they can't just shut up and dribble because that would cut out a huge segment of the population, and it would leave it up to the same people to say the same thing over and over. Um, You know, we have so many diverse backgrounds in athletics, and pretty much everywhere. But everyone's point of view is not going to be the same. But right now, as I say, there seems to be this groundswell for social change. Uh, there's been a great deal of injustice, you know, it, it, and it's been hundreds of years of injustice. So, you know, all these efforts that have been taking place over years, you know, you got 68, the Olympics. I mentioned that Muhammad Ali. I apologize if I leave anybody out. But why do you think this is happening right now in 2020, in the middle of a pandemic, in the middle of everything that's going on? How is this? How is this so popular right now when it wasn't 10 years ago like this? I mean, yeah, there were it was popular. It, it was there was a groundswell then, too. But this is sustainable. So why is that it, now? Why wasn't it 50 years ago or 100 years I, ago? Or even- I think technology. I mean, technology. Sure. I mean, you know, like some of my colleagues as other, you know, dean of athletics, uh, this is a touchy subject. You know, they, I mean, this is to them, it's overhauls. This means more work, you know. To allow your athletes to be involved in social justice and change means you have a lot of moving parts, you know. So a lot of people would just want to tighten everything up and be quiet about it. But I think that wouldn't be the way that America was built, you know, freedom of speech and everything else we have. I mean, um, it's near and dear to me. I spent eight years in the Marine Corps, so I fought for the freedom of, of every American you know, here and being born. So I I get it. But, you know, I don't think that we didn't want to come to this point. I think now with, you know, you have a camera on every cell phone, you know, it's more exposure. Uh, People have a voice. Social media is given a platform. When used correctly, um, you get the mat, you get to the masses by, you know, touch of a finger, you know, on an app. So I think now people are more aware Right. And it's on everybody's doorstep. So I think, you know, when when the newspaper get delivered on your doorstep, you're more prone to open it up and read it versus if you have to go pick it up. And I think it's, you know, social justice right now is on everybody's doorstep. Hmm. Yep. And I, I didn't think about the technology aspect, because how do you reach the masses as quickly as you can on, say, Instagram or Twitter or any of that? It just it's it's instantaneous. Whereas before all of this, you had to wait days or more in order to get that. You know, it, it also seems like to me with all this going on now, 
you know, with, with the, um, the reforms that are happening, with the movements that are happening, it almost seems like, and there are still people out there who are saying the wrong thing and are doing the wrong thing. And then there's a backlash on social media. And it almost seems like people still want to, you know, give us their opinion, but maybe they're afraid to because they're in the minority at this point. And then when they do speak up, sometimes they just get a tongue lashing. I mean, you'll see it's very swift on social media, um, but it, it's still, you know, that, that point of view. You know, in, in the United States, yes, we have freedom of speech, but we also have freedom after we speak. A lot of countries, <laughs> you, say what, you, you say what you want to say, and then there's consequences. Yeah, huge. I mean, Sherm, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, to the, the be able to speak and then have action behind it, it is transformational, you know. So let, let's get in the churches. I mean, you know, what we're going to do at Westcliff. I mean, everybody's looking at me. I mean, it's no mistake, and I'm an African-American, you know. So my burden is a little, and responsibility is a little little deeper than the next man. So, you know, so um, we have athletes looking at me, you know, to see how, how am I going to react, right? And then, you know, what makes me a little bit more unique is that I've actually spent eight years serving this country in the United States Marine Corps. So some of the things that are tied up, you know, is it um, kneeling for the flag? You know, um, you know, how do I feel about that? People really, really want to know, you know, what my take is on some of these things, because I've actually been in the sand, in the desert, desert storm, um, evacuation troops of Somalia, all these things. Like, you know, my life was on the line. And, um, you know, for, for these freedoms. And it's a little bit different when you actually was in the middle of it than versus from the outside. And that doesn't take away anybody's opinion who didn't serve. I'm not not saying that. But it, it is a lot different when you actually put on a jersey and play and when you're just reporting from the sidelines, let's be honest. So they're going to be looking at us a lot different because of those dynamics. And maybe, you know, also it's the spotlight. Because, you know, it's very few director of athletics or dean of athletics is my title because I actually, you know, write curriculum and be a part of the process of academia that look like me, that are African-American. It's very few. Right. So it's an imbalance right now, even with when women, you know, as far as gender equality and and all other things. So everything that we say is going to be under the microscope moving forward. You know, but we can't be afraid to seize the moment and talk about tough issues, because really, when you talk about tough issues, that's when you can grow and heal. And I think that's what we need to do. So I think from the beginning, when I started Westcliff Athletics, we always had the mission of inclusion for all. And that still stands, you know, but do I overlook, you know, what happened, you know, with police brutality? No, I do not. Have I ever suffered being, you know, exposed in that manner? I have, you know, I've, I've been stopped for no reason, you know, going to work to Westcliff, you know, about 18 months ago, I was, you know, I was stopped going to work at Westcliff eight in the morning in a suit and tie and um, a cop pulled me over for no apparent reason. And after, you know, he asked me for my driver's license and registration you know, I happened to be, you know, in a BMW 750, and he asked me, was that my car? Really? So I said to him, first, I was upset, you know, 
And then I had to think about it. I'm thinking seven, eight o'clock in the morning. Um, this is this is what what I'm getting hit with this morning. So I immediately went nine and three, you know, because I can't forget, you know, unfortunately, it's some things as being a minority or a black man in America. You just have to understand that there's some ignorant people out there, even in high powered, high ranking positions that have their own agenda. So I immediately went nine to three and I said, can you check my registration and my insurance? And I gave you my ID and this is my car. But, you know, why should I even have to answer that question anyway? And then the second question came out of his mouth was, do I know you? So I said, why should you know me? I don't know you. Why should you know me? And he didn't say anything. So he went back, ran all my stuff. I, you know, I didn't have any tickets or anything, no warrants or anything. I wasn't worried about that. But this is eight in the morning. I mean, my coffee still was untouched, right? I'm on the 91 freeway, right? So he comes back, you know, to my car and he says, hey, I noticed you have tint on the window. And I said, I do. You know, it's about at 35. You know, then he proceeded to tell me the rules and regulations of tent. And he gave me back my driver's license and insurance. And he told me, have a good day. So he never told me why he stopped. I have no clue to this day why he stopped. So... Here I am, you know, prominent in my position in society, have served my country, put my life on the line, um, a great citizen, doing all the things I'm supposed to do, just getting up in the morning, um, trying to go to work on a normal commute like every other American in this world. And I get hit with this before 9 a.m. And I even started my day. Mind you, I have an hour and a half commute. Luckily, it was earlier in my commute, so it gave me enough time to kind of dwindle down. I immediately called my wife, and I had some, she was a good sounding board for me because I just needed to get some stuff off my chest so I didn't carry that into work, right? Building a program and all the different things. But I was just happy that it wasn't three of my kids who are also African-American who look like me, who may not have responded um, with the poise and season that I did because, you know, I'm in my mid forties, you know? So my youngest son who really would have fit a stereotype, which is an honor roll student, you know, going to, you know, be a zag this year, he may not have reacted the right way. Or my middle son, who's 23, you know, pursuing a doctoral degree who looks just like me as African-American might not have responded the way. And that could have been a situation and it could have been my kid, right, on the side of the street shot up and on the news or my older son, you know, who also, you know, is an educated young man, but fits the stereotype, right, of some of the drama that's been going on in America. So, for me, that's very, very disturbing and very disturbing.
oh, it's happened before. But sometimes when you get um, removed from the poverty line, right, you know, you, you kind of forget, you know, how you being judged in the world still. And because like, you know, it just will be nice to be able to walk out the house without having to double down on some areas that other people don't have to. And that's why we fight in social justice. And that's why, you know, a lot of people can't seem to understand because they don't have to go through it. And I, and I get it on both sides. I, I get it. Some people don't understand that, you know, when they walk out of the house, they have no other other concerns but normal things. But, you know, when my kids leave the house, you know, it's a whole another set of rules that I got to go over and talk to them about because I want to make sure I cover every base so they can come home. And that shouldn't happen, you know, but but this is where we where we are today. All right. This is where we are today. So I got to make sure that my kids and loved ones get home. So, um, you know, is it fair? Hell no, it's not fair. But is it reality? Hell yes, yeah, reality. Take a look at the news every day. Take a look at it. It's a reality. Right. And yes, I've been fortunate to have uh, great parents and a great support system. And, you know, my family from Maryland, you know, I'm out here in California and I've done some great things in my life. But at the end of the day, some people only look at me for my skin color. And that's unfortunate and tragic. Hmm. Yeah, that's the very definition of profiling. Uh, they don't know who you are. You just have a certain look. And so, yeah. yeah. So, you know what? what? What was that look, Sherm, though? Because I, I, I tend to think that I dress pretty nice. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, um, I mean, what I, how am I supposed to look in a in a tie, you know, in, in a shirt and ready to go? I mean, how can, what else would you think I'm about to do? You know, um, rob a GQ store? I mean, I don't know. What, 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 it, what could, have, could have been what sparks that? But it happened. And, you know, I was just... Um, incredibly sad that I didn't catch the CHP's uh, badge number. I didn't even think about that. No, I was I was hot. Sure, you know, um, some things to me is just a straight butt whipping, and that would have been a straight butt whipping. You know, any other day, you know, that's you know, put your hands on a man, and, and you never want to violate that. And I'm not condoning violence, but I'm just saying I went instantly, like Drake would say, zero to one hundred real quick. I was there already. So luckily, you know, what kicked in was, hey, let's let's be smart about this. But I was steaming. I was very, very, I was steaming. Sure. Steaming. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's obviously there was no reason he had to come up with something. So that was the reason for the tint. But, you know, I, I haven't. My tax pilot, my taxpayer dollars pay for that, sure. So, you know, so, you know, hey, so I'm I'm not a part of the problem. I'm a part of the solution. Right. So my my taxpayer dollars, play, you know, pay for for the part of that salary. And, and, and I'm supposed to be under that umbrella of being protected, too, you know, as a citizen. But, you know, I bring that story up because I want our listeners to know and, and I want my our potential and, and prospects and student athletes to know that I understand their pain. So, you know, I got a demographics of 18 to 25 that comes in as a, a student athlete at Westcliff and, and they come to. Orange County, which is one of the richest counties in, of America. And um, we're changing the demographics because, 
in sports, you have a lot of different graphics that doesn't really look like the demographics in Orange County. So I understand some of those, those concerns and their voices need to be heard. And I want them to know that not only have I been a victim of it, I'm on the other side as an activist and I'm willing to do whatever it takes that we all have, you know, equality, justice, you know, and we're valued as people and human beings first before any accolades, anything of that matter. That doesn't matter. Like we're all human beings. We should be treated equal. And, um, you know, so I'm a strong advocate for our student athletes. I just want them to understand that we have to fight the good fight the right way. And so the right way, when you're dealing with it from a university standpoint, may be a little slower than what you see out in the streets. You know, when you're just a rogue um, activist with no protocols and procedures, you know, in place, which is not a problem. We need that. But in a university, you know, standpoint, we just have to operate a little differently, but we still can be effective. So, but we all have to be fighting in the same direction because if we're, if we're going different directions, we're fighting each other. Right. I agree. I agree. And it starts with our coaches, right? It starts with our coaches. You know, I think one thing I'm most proud about as far as our staff is that we're, we're diverse, man. We're, we're a completely diverse group from every walks of life. I mean, you know, and it was my design to do that. I mean, because really, I just value people for who they are, you know, not what they look like, not your socioeconomic status, you know, just who you are as a human being. And if if you carry those five C's, that's really like our DNA. Right. And those things are just being a great person at the end of the day. All of that equals to being a great person and being the best version of yourself. And I think. You know, our staff is going to allow our student athletes to feel like they have a voice and we're strong. We have a strong engagement in the community already. So I think, you know, our footprint, you know, our carbon footprint is actually already established in what we do. So now it's just making sure that our actions matches our words and we continue to uh, uh, fight for, you know, uh, all the all the right things that make us who we are and make us better. As human beings. Now we have something at at uh, Westcliff called the WCC or the Westcliff Council of Coaches that you started, and I helped to oversee that. And we had uh, one of our meetings not too long ago where we talked about this very thing. And it's it's not necessarily so much athletics, but it is uh, all those things that influence athletics. In particular, we were talking about social justice and taking a knee. Um, what if your athletes take a knee? for the national anthem. That was one of the topics that we discussed. And and along those lines, I wanted to ask you about if you feel conflicted sometimes because of your role in uh, being a Marine and also, um, you know, being a black man in America, as you say, you know, you fought for a couple different things. Obviously, the right, right the right to have your, your freedom of speech, your self-expression. But then right. when you see players or anybody kneeling during the national anthem, uh, you know right. why they're kneeling. It's not to disrespect the flag. They keep saying that. It, it, that's the message. But how does that make you feel being on both sides of the coin there? or the, You know, you've got arguments to both sides. Yeah, I mean, well, I guess I've been black all my life. So let's just get that out the way. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, so I've been black all my life, right? So, you know, um, you know, so that first and foremost, 
you know, that that's just what it is. I mean, and then I chose to join the Marine Corps. So I chose to, I had a choice, right? I didn't have to pick that mantle up, right? And, or that guide on, as we say, and hold it high. I didn't have to do that, right? Um, but I'm incredibly proud to be American, right? So I did that, you know, um, uh, I'm a patriot, you know, at heart for sure, you know, um, but, you know, I'm not conflicted because I know that I fought for the freedom of everyone, you know, that's represented under the Constitution. And, and, and I understand the history that, you know, um, you know, me being a black man in America, I wasn't in uh, the thought process of we the people. You know, I get that, you know, but I want to have at least um, the wherewithal to understand that we grow. And as we grew as a country, we understand and we amend certain things. Right. And we understand that, you know, that was the intent that everyone. Right. Should have freedom and equality. Right. So, you know, taking a stance of what the greater good is, is is something that I think we all should, you know, hang our hat on or try to, you know, strive to be. Right. So um, even though we understand that certain pockets of America is not embracing this right now. We get it. And, and and we understand that. But that doesn't mean that we don't continue to try to strive for 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 us to be uh, the best we can be. So I'm, I'm not conflicted at all because I understand the separation. I understand the politics. I understand the propaganda behind some of the things that we do. And I know they're separate, you know, but I know they've been intertwined. But I think now why are we seeing these things happening, right? We're seeing that people are making the distinction and understand that it's not, you know, the same. And, you know, you got other universities like Duke and USC and the Power Six Conference and all of those are standing up and saying, hey, look, hey, you know, it's a difference. Nobody's disrespecting the flag. This is a platform of freedom and things have to change. And I think it's well documented now. So, it's not, we can't say this is uncharted water. You know, we can't even say, we can't even really make the argument anymore that, hey, people are kneeling to disrespect the, the, the flag and and that's over with now. You know, that that had a run and now we've been educated and, and those who want to keep um, hanging their hat on, you know, that is disrespecting the flag, they misinformed right now because it's enough education out there. It's enough examples out there to show that, um it's a distinction between what's going on and what should happen. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm happy to see that. I mean, I mean, like, you know, a lot of people understand, you know, the black lives matter movement, you know, that's happening, leaning in, right. Movement, you know, for women, it's all different kind of movements. Right. And those things doesn't happen or, or don't be created unless something significant happened. Right. To, to form these organizations. Right. Because these are change organizations. These are things you get from think tanks because the data and the statistics and the examples now we're seeing from videos are saying that, hey, we're not good at these these areas of our, of our society and we need to get better. So I think if we continue with that mindset that, you know, let's strive for progression instead of perfection, I think we'll be fine. And it's just how fast does that timetable last? You know, and I think a lot of organizations are having to make some changes. You know, you're seeing companies reevaluating the way they do business. We're seeing 
uh, NFL teams changing their names, right? Um, you know, understanding the, the sensitivity of that. You know, that's for our Native Americans, right? You know, the change for Washington. That has nothing to do with Black Lives Matter. Look, everyone should be able to feel like their best version of themselves without being scrutinized. And I think as long as we keep that in mind and we keep striving for that progression, we'll be better as a society. You know? And I think athletes have done a great job of carrying that forward for us in America. So I salute all of my athletes who take their platform and use it to benefit others than themselves. So salute to them. Yeah, yeah, agreed entirely. Um, you know, the majority of athletes and people in general, but we're talking a little bit more about athletics and athletes, all have the right idea. And I want to make sure it's not lather, rinse, repeat. I, I, I don't want it to to just die away, you know, until the next big thing happens, something like George Floyd, which is, you know, I don't want to say the impetus. I don't want to say the beginning of all of this, but it again, uh, shined a light on what needs to happen. And so things took off from there, but I'm always kind of stunned in the middle of all of this. When you get a quote from a higher profile athlete, like Deshaun Jackson, um, what he said about the Jews and the blacks and, and in the middle of all of this, you know, and then right. he's, he's got to step back and issue an apology. It's all over ESPN. It's a, it's a, and, it, and there's a fine involved and I'm not, I'm not pointing him out. Well, I mean, he pointed himself out, Sherman. I mean, it is what it is. Like it just shows that it's lack of education in, in every race, in every situation. I think, you know, I mean, this, this happens every day in our society that people typecast or stereotype or only see one side of the coin because it's hard to have an open mind when you're struggling or when you in, in below the poverty line, you know, where you, you're not waking up to anything in the refrigerator. You know, you start to have these built up, you know, um, struggles that are internal too, you know? So, I mean, yeah, Deshaun, you know, of course, you know, um, he went ahead and issued an apology. And then, and then Steven Jackson tried to come to his defense and and he got, you know, pretty much exposed, you know, him, himself. And the good thing is I'm thankful that all of those things that we're talking about has happened and transpired because these are not new topics. These are the same old things that's been going along but they've never been to the front burner. They've been on the back burner. So now they're on the front burner. Now we can dissect them, educate some people, education awareness, and then we can start healing and rebuilding with accurate information. I think the biggest thing right now, Sherman, even me as I make decisions each and every day for our athletics department is low quality information will get you in a, in a, in a jam. So, you know, sometimes you're not getting communicate it correctly to so the information you believing is not accurate or true so i mean i think denzel washington said it best in one of his quotes that you know um, media in our society now just only concerned about being first they're not even concerned about the truth you know so it's, it's no fact finding anymore it's just can we re can we report it you know first it, but not can we report it accurate and with truth first you know so I mean, so it's a product of our society and you see this in social media. It's like, you know, 
these are opinions. You need a filter. You need a great support system. You know, so our athletes who want to get involved in social justice, you know, I want them to have a voice and get involved and get engaged. But I also want to make sure that they're getting proper information that is vetted, that is filtered, that is accurate, so they can make a decision that they know is is standing off of facts, not just someone's opinion or, or you know, as our president referred to it, fake news. Um, so I want to make sure they, they're getting the right information. But um, it's hard, you know, for an adult at any age to understand how to vet information and, and be factual. And I think it's extremely hard, you know, for anyone that's 18 to 25 at the student athlete body that we receive to you still getting your own identity of who you are and and you being educated so it's forming formulating your thoughts into different um arenas that maybe you not you wasn't exposed to before so as you're trying to piece everything together and find out who you are in this world and what you want to do if you're not getting the right information you can be misled so our job at Westcliff is just trying to make sure we're giving transparency we're giving uh, accountability and we're being giving the truth to our student athletes and I think you know they can make a decision from there and we pray that it coincides with our five C's and, and if it does we let it go but you know our coaches have the same challenges so I think um, you're right I mean people make mistakes I think this is the land of second choices chances excuse me I think you know second chances are important and uh, we don't always get it right on the first time I mean, that's the great thing about great champions, why we love them. I mean, you, you, uh, we talked about Muhammad Ali, you know, before me and you shared about how he was a great champion. And one of the reasons why was because he fell down and got back up. So it's okay to make mistakes. You know, can you recover from them and, and take accountability when you do fall down? Mm, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um you know, you brought up something interesting, and I wanted to touch on it, is the role of media. Because, um, you know, before the internet, there were only a few ways to get to get our news. Uh, obviously, you get a magazine, a newspaper, watch the television, radio, there may have been a few. Um, but, you know, the, the media is so influential. And it, I, you're right on when you say they just want to be first. Uh, you know, we broke the story. You hear that all the time. We broke the story, which means obviously they they reported it before anybody else. And that seems to be as important to them as anything else. And we've got so many different media outlets with so many different points of view in it's so influential, um, you know, but of course, freedom of speech. So it's it's difficult to unite. That's what the Black Lives Movement is doing. It's uniting people, I think. Um as much as anything else, I mean, it, you know, it, there's a lot of divisiveness out there right now as well. It's coming from a lot of places, uh, not the least of which is the media. But if we're all on the same page or we're moving that direction, that's when the majority of the good things are going to happen. That's when change is going to happen. But it seems like where are we right now in all of that? Are we in the middle of it? Are we still at the beginning of it? We're certainly you know, not at the end of it. Well, we have well, a yeah, long way I to mean, go. I think we're, we're a work in progress, and I think we'll continue to progress uh, because we have good people, good leadership around us that will allow us to uh, not put this down and keep it going. I mean, you know, sure, we could have a whole segment on that, 
on a, on a different time, you know, you know, um, you know, really divulging and digesting some of the stuff. But one thing I do want to uh, point out uh, to our listeners and, and to our students that, you know, you know, I made a decision that November 3rd was going to be a day that we don't do any competition at all at West Cliff, that we will make sure that we're not a part of the problem, but we're a part of the solution regarding uh, voter suppression. So all of our student athletes will be able to exercise their right to vote and we won't have any competitions uh, on November 3rd so they can do that, you know. So, uh, yeah, so I just think it's a lot of things that we can do to make sure that um, we are good with that um, and we just got to continue to do our part. And, of course, November 3rd will be uh, an important day, obviously. Not, you know, for the world, of course, but also for sports. And we'll see uh, um, see what happens and how it affects Black Lives Matter and uh, the sports world and, of course, absolutely everything in politics and this nation. Uh, I want to switch gears now and go to our new segment called Quotes and Notes. And uh, if you know anything about Sean Harris, you'll know he's got more quotes and more idioms than anybody I've ever met in my life. Uh, I still use a lot of his sayings. Um, one of the one of my favorite sayings I heard him say way back in a meeting is to pray for rain and then deal with the mud. Now, some of these sayings come from the sports world, but some don't. But either way, if they've come from the sports world, they still apply to life. So, uh, Sean, with that, uh, can you tell me one or two of your favorite quotes? You know, I, I really don't have a favorite quote, to be honest. I mean, um, I read quotes every day. I think, you know, just reading, you know, and um, understanding and following and great people and their significance in the world. Or, you know, so you got to have commonalities, right? So I think you just, you know, hook your wagon up to to folks who you look up to, but I think also you should study those who have opposite views of your, yours as well. So you can look at the full scope of what is going on during that time frame. because, you know, some, some of the quotes that come from in the 1800s that we wasn't around. So the, the world was looked at differently. You know, people looked at the world differently. And, and then I, I started having my own quotes based off my own experiences. So I, you know, you know, that one, quote that you're referencing is an African proverb, you know, that, you know, we pray for rain, but we don't plan for the mud. And it's so true because, you know, yeah, it's a lot of things that happen that we got to prepare for and and you got to prepare for the success. You know, even Westcliff right now is, is having um, some success. So we need to plan for what happens when, you do have success. You, you see jealousy, you see envy, you see, um, you know, a target on your back. Um, people looking for any dirt that they can find, right, to um, take away or, or damage the, the progress that you're making because they can't level up and compete. It happens all the time. So we just need to be mindful for, for all of those things. But, yeah, that's just pretty much been a part of my life, Ma. My entire life is just, you know, quotes, I guess. And then I just remember them and they stick with me every day. Yeah, you've got a lot of them. So let me ask you quickly. Right now with Westcliff and specifically athletics, is it raining or is it muddy? It's a little both. We dirty. We're definitely dirty. Um, we're, we're dirty. I mean, it's, it's, it's raining. 
for sure, because we're relevant right now, right? Um, and so for all the right reasons, I would like to believe um, we're relevant. But it is a lot of things um, that we need to clean up. Now, this pandemic has kind of slowed some things down for everyone, right? So I think we were fortunate for this stoppage of the world because, as I always talk about start, stop, and continue, I think we had grown so fast that we we're on the borderline of having subcultures, and you never want to have that, you know, in the growth. You, you sometimes um, see that happening, and since we had the pandemic, we were able to kind of stop doing some things, clean up some stuff, and then I implemented some new things for us to do that I think that from this pandemic, we won't stop doing. There's just some things in a virtual space that we will continue to be in our DNA moving forward. So I think, you know, it's never a silver lining when you have a pandemic that's still ongoing. Let's let's not act like it's stopped. It's still ongoing, right? You know, so the pandemic is... <laughs> Is no vaccination, so it's still ongoing. So it's still a high risk, you know. So I don't want people to believe that we don't understand that it's not over. We're we're in it. Uh, we don't know if we're in the, the, the first third of it or in the middle or at the end. We don't know. So uh, we'll take that day by day. But I do think we can continue to get better at what we do daily, you know. And I think we're starting to do that. So Yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. Um, one quote I heard when I was 12 years old, I might've even been a little bit younger than that. I was playing little league and my little league coach said, the way you practice is the way you play. I think we were messing around during practice and he wanted to make that point. The interesting thing about that, I always remembered it. It's kind of made its way. It's permeated its way through my life and through my family's life. We still joke about it. My father and I, I'm, I'm, I'm fortunate enough to still have my mom and dad and, and we still kid about it because we've always remembered it. And it, it makes sense in both life and on the sports field. The way you practice is the way you play. I've always loved that. And I got tagged with it on our Instagram account uh, maybe about a week or two ago. Westcliff Athletics tagged me with that. And they gave me credit, but they also gave my my 12-year-old coach credit when he when I was in Little League. His name was Gus Caballero. And I, I absolutely love that. The way you practice, the way you play. So, Right. I mean, that's see, it's awesome. Like, Sherm, I mean, that point right there it sticks with you. It resonates. It helps shape who you are and what you're about. So I think, you know, that's good. If you if you want me to get into the mud, because I, I know you're saying, hey, Sean, let, give me some. All right, I'm going to give you some of my quotes, right? You want some? Is that what you're asking for? All right. All right. So, all right, here's one. Um, action speaks louder than words, but both together is transformational. Right. Okay. So another one is, let's go down some. I'm gonna give you a couple of them. There's never any guarantees in life. However, enjoy the journey of what if and why not. It's exhilarating. Right. So all these gonna be in the book, Sherm. So I'm gonna charge you at, at some point. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna charge you because these are all ones that I came up with. All right. Here's another one. Adversity breeds brotherhood and sisterhood and greatness simultaneously. All right. You know what? Uh, it, you know what? For you, it's, uh, uh, you have to pull out your black card. I know you own one, so you got to pull out the black card, uh, you know, for it. No, I'm teasing. Um, no, it's 
hey, everyone gets a copy that that knows me. So, so, so that means the book is going to be unsuccessful. <laughs> so, when, when everybody gets to get a copy, then it's it's no value at all. It's no value. Right. All right. Here's another one. Having talented people on your team, personally and professionally, is priceless. If you don't believe me, try taking a donkey to the Kentucky Derby. Right? 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 Because I, I probably just splice it up every now and then. Here's another. This is now, okay, you said favorite quotes. So this is a quote, but it's really a statement. But this is probably where I'm at in my life moving forward. Right? So this is probably one that's the most significant to me, right? So here it goes. My goals for the rest of my life is to use my talents for God's purpose, which is my passion. I have faults. I still need to overcome challenges. Nonetheless, my intentions for God's will to be greater than my own. That's probably the most significant quote for me right now as I'm thinking about it in hindsight. Because really, that's truly how I've been trying to live my life now and what I'm trying to accomplish, um, really, until um, God calls me home. So that's probably um, the most significant uh, quote to me from that standpoint. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then another one is, since we're going, I got about two more for you. How about that? And then I end it, you know, maybe three. I don't know. I can't give you all of them. Then I won't have a book. All right. All right. Okay. All right. So this is one that I like for people who are trying to compete, you know, and I even share this one with Mark Few um, for my son, because this is all you want as an athlete. I said, competition is healthy for growth without the politics. Sports is a meritocracy, and our only expectation is that we have an opportunity to compete in an uncontaminated environment. So really, you know, I feel like that's really what an athlete is just truly trying to do. You know, you just want to compete in an uncontaminated environment with no politics. And if you, if your game or your talent can't measure up, then that's what it is, but Really, you just want the opportunity, you know, to to be able to be to be competing without any extras, you know. And, and really, I think about that because, you know, sometimes you got kids coming in, you know, as five star recruits in every sport, right? And then we automatically assume as a society that they just have the right to suit up and play. Well, guess what? You know, it's competition out there. If we had that mentality, are we really getting better as our team? Because it's some diamonds in the roughs out there. And especially in the NBA, if you looked at it, probably majority of the NBA, and I don't have the facts on this as far as the exact statistic, but I think I'm pretty damn well close, that some of the most significant players have been second-round draft picks who's, who's gotten the bigger contracts and the longer careers. So I will look that up. All right, last one. Last one, because I can't give you everything. This is significant for Westcliff, so I'm going to end it on this one. Don't wait for the right opportunity. Create it. To see an opportunity, we must open. We must be open to all thoughts. Opportunity is everywhere. The key is to v- develop the vision to see it. So that's what I want to 
really let our um, coaches know at Westcliff this year. Like I remember when this pandemic first happened and and all the coaches were were freaking out. They were freaking out. They, they act like they wasn't, but they were freaking out. Oh, we can't travel. We can't go see recruits. And you want me to bring in all these recruits? And then I came up with this whole virtual um, tour, right? I said, virtual tour. Let's do a virtual tour. Let's put it all together. Let's put in a presentation and, and make it happen. And I got a lot of pushback from the coaches, a lot of pushback from the coaches. And I said, hey, we need to get over 200 recruits, and we can do it in two weeks. And they thought I was crazy. Guess what? We got 250 recruits in two weeks, right? But they, they gave me all the pushback. Um, also, you know, far as um, us doing fundraisers, right, online, right? They was like, hey, you can't fundraise without having a team. Well, I said, no, we can fundraise without a team because our society wants sports back, and they'll get behind that. And we did that. And it was a lot of teams that wasn't even formed actually generated a lot of money. I think we ended up, you know, doing over $30,000, you know, of non-tuition revenue by just stepping outside of the box. So I think, you know, tying back to that quote, we created a situation. Sometimes you got to create your market. You know, people not always going to accept you for who you are. You, you may be a business di di disruption, and it's okay. Be your authentic self and go out and create your opportunity. And that's really what I want to see us do moving forward. Hmm. Perfect. That is a great way to end the podcast. And a note for everyone out there, be the change. Make Go out there and make it happen, and it will. All right. Hey, I want to thank uh, our engineer, Brandon Peterson, for- uh, Yeah, B, you do a hell of good. a job, B. Yeah. It's all you, baby. Great job. And of course- my co-host, our Dean of Athletics, Sean Harris. Yay, yay. Okay, thank you. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for listening in. Keep an ear and an eye out for our next podcast. Again, this has been Building Greatness, The Warrior Way. Thanks very much for joining us, and enjoy your day. They've been trying to take it, I said no way. Thought this ain't a game, now nah, I don't play. You can tell my fan that I'm okay. I just got a juice like I'm OJ. Trying to take it, I said no way Thought this ain't a game, now nah, I don't play You can tell my fan that I'm okay I just got a juice like I'm OJ Okay, they don't got what it take to win 